0: Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Before we get to the Oilers' conversation, let's thank our sponsor, DraftKings, and basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all of the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes when using promo code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings Daily Fantasy lineup. And baseball fans, you may have missed out on a season-long fantasy season last season, so now is the time to get in on all of the Daily Fantasy action, where DraftKings has even more ways for you to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the official DraftKings app and use promo code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of Dollars in total prizes that's promo code thpn and you get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. minimum five dollar deposit eligibility restrictions apply see draftkings.com for details and once again thank you so much for tuning in to the other connor podcast here on the hockey podcast network we've got a great show coming up for you here today we will talk to former nhl goaltender former edmonton oilers goaltender in fact and part of the Two Guys in a Goalie podcast, Joaquin Gage will join me to kick off this show. We'll talk about the Oilers' loss to the Vancouver Canucks, 6-3. to Mikko Koskinen, not a very good game. Four shots, four goals, and I thought it was fitting to have a former NHL goaltender come on here and just talk about how tough that is to do. In a twisted way, it's kind of an accomplishment. Of course, the Oilers couldn't find a way to dig their way back. Out of that one, uh, just sticking with Thursday night very quickly, Connor McDavid, three more points in that one in the 6-3 loss. That puts him at 96 points on the season in only 52 games. The kid is outstanding as a shot at 100 points in a 56-game season. And he's got a game Saturday night, prime time. Everybody watching against the Vancouver Canucks, four points away. We'll see if he gets there. Uh, also in the game on Thursday, Leon Drysaddle Cup goals, Jesse Arby. So the Oilers' big-time players did what they had to do, but you give up four goals in the first period, it's tough to dig out of that one. And we'll talk about the game, but let's move on right now. We're also going to be hearing from Tom Gazola. He is the host on TSN 1260 of the Don Wheaton on White Pre and Post Game Shows every Oilers game before and after You can also give him a follow on Twitter, at Tom Gazzola. And finally, we will talk to my good friend, Hernan Salas. He's from the Locked On Oilers podcast. You know him on the Don Wheaton on White Post game shows. He's also part of the Two Guys in the Goalie podcast. You can find him everywhere, Hernan Daman, on Twitter. But uh, let's just talk a little bit more about the game on Thursday night. Like I said, the Oilers losing 6-3, to and it was bad from the beginning. Nico Koskinen has done this before. He's allowed that first goal. He did it on Thursday, 31 seconds in. And, you know, I'm sure the Edmonton Oilers fan base probably thought, okay, you know, we've seen this five other times on the season. They can bounce back. Make the next save. Make the next save and give your team an opportunity. Well, that's not what he did. Jack Rathbone would score his first ever goal in the NHL. And, Probably like a lot of Oiler fans out there, I thought, okay, that's a kid getting his first goal in the NHL. That happens to the Edmonton Oilers quite a bit. Maybe they've bounced back here. It's only two goals. Miko just make the next save. Travis Amonic scores his first goal of the season. In my mind, I'm thinking, how the hell do you let three goals in on three shots? But it's a guy getting his first goal of the season. So, okay, against the Oilers... That makes sense. Three goals is tough, but we've seen them do it against the Winnipeg Jets. Miko, just make that next save. Jace Horlock, former Brandon Wheat King, done a lot of damage to Edmonton hockey franchises, did a lot of good things against the Edmonton Oil Kings. He would score on the team's fourth shot of the game. And that would be it for Miko Koskinen. And he leaves. Mike Smith comes in and it's a four nothing hockey game. And you're just thinking, what happened? I mean, how how do you do that? Like I said, in a twisted way, it's kind of impressive, but in a realistic way, it's awful. And I don't know if it will ever happen again. Four goals on four shots, that's terrible. Now, for the Edmonton Oilers, give them credit. Leon Dreisaitl would score his 27th of the season on the power play, and Yessi Pugliarvi would score a beauty his 14th on the year to make it a 4-2 game going into the second period. But from there, the Vancouver Canucks would score a couple more. Leon Dreisaitl would add one as well, his 28th of the season. And that's all she wrote. 6-3 win for the Vancouver Canucks. A game that the Edmonton Oilers, I wouldn't say they were outplayed. I wouldn't say they should have lost that game. But it just highlights the importance of good goaltending. And on Thursday night, the Edmonton Oilers just didn't get it. So they'll move on. I am assuming Mike Smith gets the start on Saturday. Obviously you want to try to bounce back and have a strong goaltending performance. We've seen in the past Dave Tippett give guys an opportunity to bounce back strong. But I don't know if Miko Koskinen gets that opportunity. I think they might want to go back with Mike Smith just for the player's sake. Like that's, that's got to be so demoralizing going out there and having four goals in the back of your net before you get one. A tough one. So for the Edmonton Oilers, like I said, back in action on a Saturday night. They'll take on the Vancouver Canucks once again. Pre-game coverage on TSN 1260. Shameless plug. Me, Tom Gazzola, and former NHLer Matt Cassian, 90 minutes before puck drop for the Edmonton Oilers. Then they head out east to Montreal to take on their nemesis, the Montreal Canadiens. Five o'clock start on Monday, and then on Wednesday is a nice early one. Three o'clock Mountain Time, but... We'll talk about that game on uh, Tuesday's edition of the Other Connor Podcast. We want to recap... Thursday night's game and to do that we will bring in Joaquin Gage former NHL goaltender he was a member of the Edmonton Oilers on two separate occasions right now he is doing work with Roger Sportsnet on their intermission broadcast also a host of the two guys and a goalie podcast along with Dustin Nielsen Matt Cassian and Hernan Salas you can give him a follow on Twitter at Joaquin Gage 31 Joaquin thanks a lot for doing this right after the Oilers 6-3 loss to the Canucks how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm not bad. Connor, how are you doing
0: tonight? I'm doing very good, and I'm glad you were able to do this tonight because uh, we do have to talk about goaltending. The Oilers coming off the 6-3 loss to the Vancouver Canucks, and for Mikko Koskinen, I don't think it's possible to have a worse start. Four shots, four Uh, goals against. I mean, I guess, have you ever had a game like that that stands out in your memory where you just didn't have it?
1: um, Well, yes, unfortunately. I I have multiple games in my (laughs) memory books that... uh, that I didn't perform as well as I would like to, but I don't think I ever had a game where the first four shots went in. That's uh that's that's a first. I mean I I can't believe that it was one, two, three, four. That's that's really tough. That's 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 amazing. I think that that's that might be an NHL record. I we'd have to probably look at the record books to see what uh what it says about that. But I feel for the guy. Um, I know what it's like definitely in a backup role coming into a game. And if you haven't played in a while and expecting to perform, and I've also had those moments where it hasn't gone my way either. So, But you are a professional, and it's at a time of year where you're you're counted on, and that kind of performance just... It's
0: not acceptable. Yeah. Talking to your, your buddy Hernan Salas uh, from Two Guys in the Goalie, he said that he read there was a case of three goals and three shots back in the eighties. But yeah, I don't know if there's four and four. So, you know, for the people who don't know, obviously you played in the NHL, uh, very high levels of hockey. How tough is it to go from, you know, watching for a couple of weeks and getting back into the game? Like if, if game speed is 100%, what are you seeing, you know, when it comes to a level at practice?
1: It's really difficult, man. I wasn't great at it. There, there are some guys that are that are way that that were way better than I was. Um, it's to keep yourself ready to stay in that kind of game shape. It's it's really, it's all mental. And trying to you're almost when you get into that game, you're trying to almost do too much, right? you and you want to play well. You wanna you wanna almost make sure that you don't play poorly enough so you don't get a next start like you're fighting for 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 another start at that point sometimes you're just gripping the stick too hard and and um, you're not letting the game kind of come to you as a goalie and it's such a fine line because if you're too relaxed it you're going to allow them and if you're too aggressive it's the same thing right so to find that balance as a backup and not being able to play there's there's a lot of things that you have to do practice-wise, not only on the ice, but, but in between the years as well.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to ask you about that. I mean, for Mikko Koskinen right now, um, I mean, you go on Twitter, and the guy's just getting abused right now. People are saying, you know, throw Staylock in there. <laughs> can't be much worse. I mean, how do you bounce back from that? And, and I guess, I mean, what do you even say to your teammates after that one? That's, it's tough to put them in a 4 hole, you know, before the game really even gets going.
1: Uh, yeah, that's... I mean, he's an older guy, and it's funny because I I really root for him because I mirror our careers kind of in the same way. Obviously, he did a lot better than I did, but the fact that he was with the Islanders, he went back home to Europe and played and and then uh, battled his way back to the NHL. I kind of did the same thing. I was with the Oilers for a while, and... And I bounced around in the American League and even in the East Coast League, and was able to come back. <laughs> it turned out to be the same team with the Oilers and sign again. So I'm always kind of rooting for him to do well, but it's—he's old enough to build relationships with his teammates, and from all accounts, he is a—he's not one of those guys that pouts and and is ups- uh, I'm sure he's upset that he's not playing as, as much as he w- would like to, but um, having a goalie in practice bear down on you when you shoot and, and battle for on um, second chances and not just be a shooter-tutor, that's the kind of role that you have to be as a, as a backup. And, and, uh, and from what I hear, that's what he's done. And, and I'm sure all those guys are, are rallying around him right now, and, and everything else is just, is just white noise. That's the, You hear about how the things that you miss about the game, and that's one aspect is the camaraderie. And, and when things aren't going your way, you have usually 20 to, to 23 other guys to lift you up.
0: You talk about the similarities in your career, and I wish you had a GM like uh, Peter Chiarelli who would have gave you that three-year, twelve million dollars. Man, (laughs) geez, I was,
1: I was, uh, I needed Chiarelli. I, I think even my wife said that you needed Chiarelli at one point. So.
0: Yeah, he got a nice little payday for that one. Four and a half million dollars a year for the next three. That was a a good deal for him. So when you're a goalie coming into a situation like that, like uh, Mike Smith tonight, and you know you're down four nothing, what do you think the mindset was for Smith? Was it just kind of like don't let that next one in, or are you playing almost pressure free because it is four nothing?
1: If I uh, to think about it, if it's Mike Smith and if I can if I can try to get in bet- in between his ears. I think he's thinking, I'm going to come back and win this game, right? Like, I'm going to really solidify myself as, a, as an unbelievable goalie here. Like, that's, that's how you look at it when you go in. I, 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 every time I had to go in for another goalie in, in, a, in a certain situation, usually it's because the other guy isn't performing well or something went wrong. Um, I'm looking at, man, I'm going to look so good when our team comes back. I'm going to make all these saves. I'm going to pull our team out of this, and and we're going to come back with the win. And I'm sure that's how Mike Smith about the whole situation.
0: Sticking with Mike Smith, uh, you know, obviously last year he was pretty good at stretches for the Edmonton Oilers, and this year he's been outstanding, a record of nineteen six and 2 9 save percentage, 2.26 goals against average. From what you've seen, what's been the biggest difference for Mike Smith, as of late at least, just playing some fantastic hockey?
1: I, I really can't put my finger on it, because it's it just seems everything's gone his way. Like, we've the one thing i've noticed just on the probably the handling of the puck aspect of the whole game like his decision making is a lot a lot cleaner like he's not always looking for that perfect play as a as a goalie like and a lot of it is uh playing with the same defensive core too like if you watch when a puck is dumped in and 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 Mike Smith has the puck and under control. His D-men aren't coming at them; they're fanning out and and making themselves available for passes. Um, also, on just on the stopping of the puck side of things, he's he's always been a goalie that I've 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 criticized a little bit because of how deep he plays in the net at times. And I think he has found the proper distance where. The, the time to sit back and maybe play closer to the to the goal line, it's that situation. And when it comes down to maybe more of a one-on-one situation, he's used his size, I think, way better this year than in years past, that uh, he's taking more net away and, and leaving a lot less for shooters to see.
0: Uh, once again, we're treated to another three-point performance by Connor McDavid. Despite the six-three loss, I mean, the guy's just playing outstanding hockey. When you watch him, I mean, have, have you ever seen a guy, and you know, you played hockey for a long time, just as dominant as he is out there, as a you know, one person can be?
1: There's there's certain players in certain leagues that that dominate Connor, like, and they're just they're either they're having a great year or they're 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 really good players. Um. I, I don't know if we've ever seen, in, except back in this town in the 80s, a player that has dominated offensively like Connor McDavid has. He's, he is toying with the league. And I think I, I said on Dustin Nielsen's show, he asked me the question um, about how, oh, he plays in the North Division, and it's not as good. Wait till he sees some more competition from, the, from south of the border. And... I don't think it's the North Division is, is, is bad. I think Connor McDavid is just so good that he is making other teams look poor. You know, I, it, it wouldn't matter who he's playing against um, this. It's just ridiculous to see that he's close to 100 points in this shortened season. It's, uh, it's a miracle.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. There, I mean, if you look around the NHL right now, you tell me which defenseman is going to make it tougher on Connor McDavid, and uh, I guess I would tell you that's a pretty good damn defenseman because I, I don't <laughs> think it's that easy. Uh, another guy on the Oilers, Leon Drysital, you know, kind of has to play second fiddle to Connor McDavid, but I think now at like seventy-eight points on the season, uh, what makes he and Connor McDavid work together so well?
1: I, it's something in the in the air in the water. Who knows? Um, it doesn't always work out, right? Like you look at great players. Like I always kind of compare that to the Sadines finding someone to play with them, right? Everyone said, "Oh, he plays with the Sadines." I could play with the Sadines. That's not always true. I think there's if you really look at it, there was only like three players over their whole career that uh, that really clicked with those guys. And they just had they they work on the same wavelengths, like. Um, and it's, it's funny how guys evolve when they, when they get the pro. And if you were to watch Leon in, in junior, he was more of a, a perimeter kind of playmaker, set guys up, and he has completely changed and, and become just an unbelievable goal scorer. And I, 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 I challenge any scout to, uh, to go back when, when Leon was drafted and if they would have put money on him to be the the prolific goal scorer that he's become um they would uh, they'd lose money because <laughs> I don't think anyone would would have guessed what he's done and it's just it's just a good partnership and you can see that they love playing with one another right there's a there's a there's a little way that they play the the little little passes almost not quite but almost Sadin like
0: yeah, tough to match that, uh, that twin level of wavelength, especially, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. They, they do a pretty good be in job. The same womb for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have nearly no chance to make it to that level. Uh, we hear some people talking about, you know, the potential of giving Connor McDavid early on dry a arrest heading into the playoffs. And, you know, I don't think you do it against the Montreal games, but there is that final game next Saturday against the Vancouver Canucks. And if, Connor McDavid were to get to a 100 points and Leon Draisaitl were get to whatever you know he thinks he wants to get to. Do you think there's any chance that they would be willing to sit out for a game like I, I've asked her and I've talked with other people, but we're not professional athletes. You've been a professional athlete. Do you think that's in their DNA to just be willing to sit out?
1: Um, no, I don't I don't think so. I think they I mean if it gets to the last game of the year and nothing there's really nothing on the line maybe maybe then they sit out you know why risk it at that point but there's i like how what dave tippett has said about how he he wants everyone going he doesn't believe in people just sitting out because you can not it's not it's a switch you just can't turn on especially when playoffs roll around right so um i the some of the best games that you play especially in playoffs like if all you have to do is look back and and most of those teams are rolling four lines at, at some point, right, Len? And, and they're getting good minutes out of that bottom six. And this is a great opportunity, I think, for for the Oilers coaching staff to 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 implement that four line and just roll over all these guys, even out the minutes, and try to create some momentum with all four lines going to the playoffs. Because you're going to need that, I think it's at some point down the line, especially if they want to come out of the North Division.
0: When you look at you know how the Oilers have played against the Winnipeg Jets this year, it's been pretty good against the Canadians. They've had their struggles, but when it comes to the playoffs, does that matter to you at all? I mean, can you throw out those records and and I guess you know do you have a team that you think is a better matchup for the Oilers in the first round? Because right now the Jets have that looks like the slight advantage, but you know it's not locked in quite yet.
1: Um. It all, it all depends on how the first game goes, <laughs> and and how many what the questions are in the in the media the next day, right? Because if if uh, they play the Canadians and and Connor and Leon get shut down and they lose two three one or something like, that, then those questions are going to have to be answered. But um, as a that's what this regular season that has really done for for a lot of players, I think, and teams. Like, they've been able to put that splinter of doubt, at least in the in the minds of other teams, going, "Gosh, these guys are just owning us." Like it's it's only human to think, "God, we didn't really do well." It's it's a new season; we're going to do better, and we got this. But um, that first game against a team that's dominated you throughout the whole regular season. Um, that's that's a huge game just to say, oh, okay, that doesn't matter anymore, where this is a whole new thing. That's uh, the first game, if they do play the Montreal Canadiens, Edmonton has to win that game. Look back at when um, uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? Tampa Bay just rolled through the whole season. I don't think the last 30 games meant a thing. Right? But they lost that first game and they had the struggles the year prior and all of a sudden they're having to answer these questions. And you can see in the interviews they're like these guys are going crazy and they're 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 four and done. So um, that first game I think is the most important of the playoffs, just to just to put those uh those bad stories to rest. Uh
0: Walking, well, just one final question for you. I'll we'll stick to Conor McDavid obviously. Uh, just playing so well right now uh three assists thursday night now he's up to 96 points on the season now uh, when do you think he gets to 100
1: um gosh well you know what? i'm gonna go on a limb i think he's going to after this game and things didn't go well for the oilers uh on the whole um i i think he might just come out and and blow the doors off next game I, most guys are going to be unhappy with the performance um it's going to be i believe saturday night so a lot of eyes on this game uh why not do it have a four-point night get to 100 points hockey night in canada um it's uh it just it has a nice sound to it. What do you think?
0: I agree with you 100%. He, he steps it up on Hockey Night in Canada. I don't care what anyone says, especially against Calgary, but I think he's got a four-point game in him tonight. Three points, it, it seemed effortless. So, yeah, I don't think four is out of the question, especially on the national stage. This guy rises to the occasion. Joaquin, thanks so much for doing this today. Really appreciate it. No problem, buddy. Great stuff from former member of the Edmonton Oilers, goaltender Joaquin Gage. You can give him a follow on Twitter at JoaquinGage31, also a part of the Two Guys and the Goalie podcast. And a big thank you to Joaquin Gage joining me immediately following that game on Thursday night. And uh good to have the perspective of a goalie. What's going through Miko Kosk in his mind when you have a start like that? I don't think Gager ever had a start that bad four goals on four shots and also what happens when you're coming in i mean you're down four nothing are you just trying to to hold the four are you trying to be perfect or at that point is there really no pressure because you're losing four <laughs> nothing really appreciate walking joining us on the show today though as always right now uh, let's get to another guy who knows a few things about this edmonton oilers hockey team earlier on i had a chance to catch up with tom Gazola of tsn 1260 we'll get to that conversation right now we're now joined by Tom Gazzola. He is the host of the Don Wheaton on White pregame show and postgame show on TSN 1260. Also the Oil Stream, Tommy, yeah, Locked on Oilers. No, wait, Locked on NHL. You're pretty much doing it all. You've got hits on CTV News with Matt Woodman. Uh How's it going today?
2: Well, today's not as busy as all those shows that you just indicated, <laughs> Connor, so... <laughs> yeah, I just, I, you know, I used to host Locked On Oilers, but we gave that show to our good friend Hernan Salas. I'm doing good. I'm, I am just peachy, my
0: friend. You pass that along to Hernan Salas. He's going to join me later here on the podcast. So I got the whole Locked On crew going here and, uh, let's, uh, let's just get this one out of the way, Tommy. We're going to talk about the Oilers and going into the playoffs and a whole variety of topics, but Miko Koskinen, four goals, was it listed on three shots, like Thursday night against the Canucks, not the star Miko Koskinen would have liked?
2: This is a huge red flag that the hockey gods are sending the Edmonton Oilers to, to be warned about. And I know that I've been harsh about Miko Koskinen. I've praised him and given him credit when it's due. But this is the worst time of the year to be having the absolute most atrocious performance of your National Hockey League career, and I think it's a warning shot from the hockey gods, Connor Halley. You've got Alex Stalock waiting in the wings. I think he's a better goalie than Miko Koskinen. I thought so when they picked him up. I thought that he would actually push Koskinen as the backup, and the Oilers have been reluctant. They've rewarded Koskinen for being a good soldier at the start of the year when Mike Smith was down, and his numbers are generally okay, but We've seen it time and time again this season where he he allows the first shot to go in. That's a big red flag in itself. And then not only does he allow the first shot to go in on Thursday night, he lets in the next three shots. That's awful. That is awful goaltending. I'm not going to blame him for the first one, but the other three, even the second one on Thursday night, I didn't think was particularly good. He didn't really challenge Jack Rathbone. And he blew up a stick after the fourth one that Horlick scored. But to me, Connor Halley, I think that's that's a message being sent to the Oilers. And I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't have a lot of faith of him, in him going into the postseason if for some reason he has to play.
0: Yeah, and I mean, Dave Tibbet has shown loyalty to his guys, Mike Smith being his guy. Miko Koskinen was here before. He's not even Ken Holland's guy, so I don't see any reason to have that much loyalty for Miko Koskinen, especially like you said, you know, one goal, maybe two goals, four goals on four shots against a Vancouver Canucks team that, you know, at the best of times this year has had trouble scoring goals, like, I don't think that he's owed anything. No.
2: Uh, this is, this is the, I think, or should be, or could be, the breaking point. And I would be looking at Alex Daylock going, boy, wouldn't mind having him on my bench just in case. This is a guy who was a starter last year, last played in the bubble for Minnesota, caught COVID, had some complications and health issues after that with his heart, and uh, now he's here, he's healthy, he's been practicing with the team, sparingly practicing. I mean, Koskinen gets the net in practice when he's sharing it with Stalock. 90% of the time. Stalock literally sits on the bench during practices and just waits for when Miko's tired and lets him go. I think that this is this might be the time where you go we can't have that, and uh and I would be trying to find a way to get rid of him going into next season, albeit that would be a very tall task for Ken Holland
0: Tom, uh just for some fun, and i I like to do this every once in a while on Twitter just to to get a reaction out of people. I made a poll. Who would you prefer to back up Mike Smith, Alex Stalock, Miko 60 sixty forty towards Alex Stalock, but there's a lot of people critical of the voters that went that way saying if you're voting that way you know give your head a shake you're you're too looking at or too close in. it's recency bias do you buy into that
2: no no i think that this is uh one of the the final daggers uh, the last nails in the coffin it i think that the warning shots have been there all along uh again i'll point to those i think it was going into tonight Five or into Thursday, five times he's allowed the first shot of the game to go in. That in itself is pretty alarming. And then, and then this was the big statement, letting you know that, nope, nope. If you had any premonitions, uh, those last five instances that told you maybe it's not the right guy. I think this really drives that point home. It's not recency bias. It's just, it's just facts, man. And the the results, you know, overall, he's playing in front or behind a good team and they got the results for him. He's generally okay, but I'm sorry, Connor Halley, like allowing the first shot in, in a game is, is horrendous, especially this time of year. Um, And then imagine it in the postseason. that completely changes the momentum in a game, sucks the wind out of your team. And if you don't have the confidence to even make the first save of the game, And we're not talking about once or twice in a season here. We're talking about six times. And then on the sixth occasion, the next three shots went in. Awful. And that should be it. It should be, but it might not be.
0: And Tom, like, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's one thing to do it against uh, the Vancouver Canucks in May when you have a playoff spot wrapped up. But you do that against uh, a good team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe the Winnipeg Jets, any playoff caliber team, it just puts you in so much of a hole in a playoff game where momentum's such a big thing, gives the other team a lot of it. And I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, it's a concern it's a huge concern it has been all year and we've been able to kind of joke about it but going into the playoffs it's something that can't happen has to be addressed and uh, hopefully the Oilers find a way to do so Uh, Tom in the month of May the Edmonton Oilers schedule not exactly the toughest yeah the Calgary Flames just kick it all off four straight against the Vancouver Canucks that's how you'll wrap up your year as well but two games against the Montreal Canadiens out in Montreal definitely you know tall tasks with the success or lack thereof that the Oilers have had against the Montreal Canadiens this year. How important do you think those two games are to really, uh, I mean, just get into playoff mode?
2: I think, well, obviously pretty important. You want to be playing the right way. You want the guys that are going to be on your playoff roster playing. And it sounds like that's the mentality that Dave Tippett's going to take into that next week. Um, I'm curious to see if they change up anything in terms of how they attack the Habs. Uh, clearly the way that they've played against Montreal this year, has not brought any success a minimal success 2-4-1 that's far against Montreal and I think that especially going into the playoffs you're probably going to have to tweak and adjust your game uh, to try to get a, the, the best result possible and that, that's wins in the postseason uh, if, if you end up playing against the Habs but um, the other part of that though Connor too is if you do tweak the way you play against them are you given away your secrets and are you tipping your hand a little bit Uh, and could they adjust too if there were to be a playoff series against Montreal so it's a bit of a double-edged sword but that's what I'll be watching for to see how they do it or if they continue to try to play them the same way but a little bit harder and and maybe they just dig in a little deeper and bury and capitalize any opportunities they get or when they actually get to the front of the net and in the slot area for chances which is something that has generally eluded them against Montreal
0: I like that. I like that thought, Tom. That's like NFL paranoia almost. Like You don't want to give away your game plan quite yet, just in case it it could bounce back in the playoffs, and maybe that's where you want to save it for. Uh, I do like that one. Now, Tom, on Wednesday night, you had a little bit of a scoop when it comes to the Oilers' uniforms.
2: That's right. In the postseason, we're going to be seeing the blue alternates as their home uniforms. And uh, so they're ditching the orange fluorescents, whatever you want to call them. Uh, They're going to the alternates. They've worn them quite a bit this season in a year where they've worn four different uniforms. And I personally, Connor, I don't particularly like these uniforms. I don't care what they're wearing. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But, you know, fans have their, their passion for the aesthetic, and I appreciate the aesthetic of the game. It's, it's something I've geeked out over for years and years and years since I was a little kid. I, I, I'll say this about the blue. The concept is fine. The contrast in the color is fine. It's just the simplicity in the striping and the collar, I think it could have been done so much better. Um, you know, the, the person who designed them uh, should not have been in charge of, this, uh, of designing them because they did a terrible job. And uh, that's the uniform that they're going to go with. It's funny to see the reaction on Twitter. Some people love <laughs> them, some people hate them. And it's got the conversation going, too, which I like, about maybe, just maybe, they might try to switch up their uniforms going into next year and there's a uniform that you brought up on our Don Wheaton on White pregame show that you like in particular and there's a concept floating around with Connor McDavid wearing it out there
0: yeah yeah I tweeted it out there uh you know, any anytime I tweet it out, and I, I kind of push it a lot, like it's, it's become kind of a passion of mine. The, the orange shoulders with the really dark blue. Kind of the classic look, just with the, the, maybe the colors they use right now. And It's a good look, it's up on my Twitter, at Connor Halley, but I want to ask you, Tom, cause I, I mean, I see you on CTV News, I, I used to see you all the time on Oilers TV. You're a very fashionable man, very well dressed. So when you look at this Oilers jersey, the, the one we're talking about, navy blue with the orange, what would you do to correct it? I mean, do you do you add a little white to it? Are you changing the striping on the socks and, you know, around the elbows area? What would you do to fix it?
2: Um, well, I would I would change the stripes in general. Instead of two thin orange stripes on the shoulder, I'd probably try to go a little bit thicker. Uh maybe you try to accent it with a little white in the middle. Or if you just want to stick to Orange and blue. I would definitely change the collar, Connor, because that the toilet bowl uh, collar that the Adidas jerseys have brought about, or that's what they're known to be called, is the toilet bowl collar. Uh, I think you could go with the thick orange all the way around, brighten it up a little bit that way. It's just it's just too plain. Like you have the one thick stripe at the bottom of the of the hip area at the bottom of the, the sweater, and then you've got just those two thin stripes. Like even the sock. But the sock is two thin stripes. It's not good. Uh, maybe you go, you know what you could even do, Connor? You could even go with their traditional stripes, the three traditional one-inch stripes or inch-and-a-half stripes. Make those all orange. But right now, those two thin ones, I think that really bothers me, and then the collar just looks stupid. Um, the rest of it is okay. Maybe you change the striping at the bottom a little bit too, but that's, that's what I would have done. Uh, the socks are terrible. The stripes on the arms are terrible. The collar is terrible. Execution poor. Concept and idea, acceptable.
0: <laughs> what about the gloves?
2: The gloves are fine. Okay. The gloves are fine with the all blue with the orange um, logo in, in the in the, in the cuff roll. That's fine, whatever. I mean, I don't mind those at all.
0: Okay, I like the gloves, so I just have to check. Yeah. Uh, I like what you're saying here, and I, I like how you, you talk about the what is it the toilet bowl. Collar? collar. That, yep. The NFL went through a, a similar phase like that where they all had the, those on the collar. And I, did, I didn't work for them, didn't look good then now, and I, I you know, I, I'm with you on that 100%. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about the hockey here. Now, one of the subjects that came up in one of my group chats was with what's going on with the Rangers and the Capitals, Tom Wilson and all that stuff, uh, the referees, the Department of Safety, kind of letting things go when it comes to the rough stuff. Now, do you think that could be an issue for the Oilers going into the playoffs if they are to take on a rough and tumble team like the Canadians or you know the big guys up front like the Winnipeg Jets? Do you think uh, the Oilers can match up to that?
2: I think so. I think it's a little bit different than the Rangers against the Caps, and good on the Rangers for what they did on Wednesday night. That was entertaining. It was good to see them have a backbone and show it, even though that. Most of their lineup, pretty much their entire lineup, is not known for the rough stuff. And those guys stepped up. Like, Ryan Strom fighting. Who expected him to fight? I know he's dropped his clubs a few times, but uh, Pavel Buchnevich gets suspended for giving a shot to Anthony Manta in the chops. Like, I like that he's defending himself. I like that they're getting angry. They're not going to take it. And even though they might not be the toughest guys or thought to be the toughest guys, they're sticking up for themselves. They're sticking up for their teammates. They're... They're showing some fight. I respect that. Um, but when it comes to the Oilers, they, unlike the Rangers, have guys that can answer immediately. And and I think that that part of the game is still huge in hockey. And when you do have deterrence, like a Zach Cassian, like a Darnell Nurse, like a Jujar Kara, uh, that goes a long way. Even, even the littler guys can stir it up. But Josh Archibald's not afraid to get in there and mix it up. So. To me, they have the guys that can actually deal with that stuff a little bit better than the New York Rangers. So it doesn't really worry me all that much.
0: Uh, Tom, the, the top line that we've seen as of late, McDavid, Drysdale, and yes, Puglia-Arvey obviously doing good, a uh, couple goals against the Canucks on Thursday. Has the second line of Cahoon, Nugent-Hopkins, and Yamamoto been good enough for you to to trust them to stay together in the playoffs, or do you have to go back to McDavid and Drysdale on their own lines?
2: I, I honestly don't know. And and it's because it's the Vancouver Canucks. And because, <laughs> like, although that line of Cahoon, Nugent Hopkins, and Yamamoto looks good, they're not getting a ton of results. They're not, they're not ripping it up on the score sheet against Vancouver. That could change in the next week if Dave Tippett decides to keep them together. But you know what, Connor? I think the most important thing, if that line is to continue into the postseason, is that if they are playing well, they build confidence, and that confidence continues against re- whoever the opponent is, regardless of the matchups. That, to me, is the most important thing. And I think that that's still a work in progress.
0: Uh, Ryan McLeod. Uh, looks like he's kind of finding his groove in the NHL with the Edmonton Oilers. That uh, certainly doesn't look out of place. But what have you thought of his overall game?
2: Pretty good. Uh, lots of good signs, Connor. Just I'd like to see him get more opportunities. He's only got a couple of shots through five games, five and a half games at the time of recording. And if he can find a way to get into the high-danger scoring areas of the opposition's end and start to at least get close and get some more opportunities, I think he's taken a step in the right direction. But so far, so good. Uh, It's going to take some time, and eventually I think he'll get there. But steady as she goes, progress is good. And he's not hurting them in his own zone, and he's doing all right on face-offs. And he's got the vote of confidence from the coaching staff. So, so far, so good, Connor. Acceptable, and more than acceptable, actually.
0: All right, Tom, final question for you. Really appreciate you hopping on the podcast here. Uh, always good to have you on. I don't know if we're going to be able to get you on before the playoffs start. We'll we'll try, but I know you're a busy man. Uh, assuming Darnell Nurse, Tyson Berry are pairing, Dmitry Kulikov and Larson, what's your ideal third pairing for the Oilers going into the playoffs?
2: I like Ethan Bear with Chris Russell, if Chris Russell's healthy. I just like the veteran factor, the steady presence, maybe not as jumpy as a younger guy like Caleb Jones, but I don't think the leash is very long for either Jones or Russell, and we we'll are probably, if I'm the guest or take a shot at uh, predicting what happens, I, I think we're going to see both of those guys playing in the playoffs.
0: I love it, Tom. Thanks a lot for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Connor. Great stuff, as usual, from Tom Gazzola. He is the host of the pre- and post-game shows on TSN 1260. You can give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Tom Gazzola, and appreciate that insight on the Oilers' uniforms going forward in the playoffs. They will be wearing that navy blue with the orange. I am a fan of those. Now, granted, I'm just not a fan of the orange jerseys, so anything to go away from them is a step up in my books, but I really like the navy look. I wish they would adopt the Bakersfield Condors look, You'd have that dark navy blue with the orange shoulders. I tweeted out a picture of that if you want to go take a look at Connor Halley. But that's the look for me going forward. Uh, Let me know on Twitter what you think about the uniform combination and what you'd like to see. But uh, we appreciate Tom coming on here and dropping that little tidbit for us. And uh, let's continue the Oilers conversation here with another guy who is a part of the post-game coverage on TSN 1260, friend of the show, Hernan Salas. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at Hernan Deman Also, he is the host of the Locked on Oilers podcast. He's a part of two guys and a goalie, and like I mentioned, TSN 1260 on the post-game coverage. Hernan, thanks a bunch for doing this tonight. How are you doing? I'm
2: doing
3: good, man. Doing good. Beautiful day in the in the field period. Um, yeah, doing great,
0: man. Well, it's good to hear, and uh, yeah, you're right. Pretty nice weather here in the city of Edmonton. Not so nice uh, down at the Ice District, though, on Thursday night. Now, I know you are down at the game for this one. You got a chance to witness Miko Koskinen's uh, brilliance and and all of that stuff live in person. Uh, what happened there, man? Like what what went wrong for Miko?
3: Oh man, it's it's yeah, um... wow, it was quite special to see that. I mean, the first. <laughs> First shot on the net going in is not a big thing. I think Nico, it's either the six or seven times that's happened. It it happened last game as well, right? Like on Tuesday night, it happened on Thursday night, and then you're like, okay, whatever. It's we're we're kind of getting used to Nico letting the first one in, but then he settled down. <laughs> that was not the case. Is uh, three more shots, three more goals. Uh, just wonderful nights, man. Like all the. All the confidence that uh, he built up with the fan base here, and everybody was, oh, he's been really good since Mike Smith's taking over the number one. He's been a good backup. And uh, all that confidence went out the window because I tell you, like, good things are locked up in a playoff spot. But imagine if they're fighting for one and you get back on the performance. Like, it's it's truly amazing. Like, it's it's remarkable that he didn't make one save and then he got the hook, uh, Connor. And then I, I know I saw it on Twitter last night where. I think that hasn't happened since nineteen eighty nine or eighty eight when Don Beaupre, uh former stars and uh capital goaltender, uh he went through the same thing, right? So <laughs> it's something unusual, it's something you don't see every day. the last time was in the eighties, so uh yeah, man, not a not a good uh, game for Nico. Um you already bet like you have to stop Juan Connor.
0: Well, I was going to say there's some uh, elite or infamous company if you want to be there. And, yeah, I mean, that's that's a killer for your stat line, too. Goals against average, safe percentage, takes a huge shot there. And I almost get the feeling, like, he lets the first one in and that, like, James Franco meme comes to mind. Like, oh, first time? Like, no, he does this all the time. This is just what he does. It's happened on five different occasions this season. But you at least hope he can make the second save or maybe the third. And then he doesn't make the fourth, and i mean my god man like that's you just have to do that and if if i'm a guy in front of him, like okay you know probably could have made one of those saves you know we're not going to blame you for all of them be a good team player yeah. but just got to make one or two of those saves it's an absolute killer and uh makes it really tough to battle back from now hernan uh thursday i put out the poll on twitter kind of just for fun like as i told tom gozola earlier on in the podcast uh I like Oilers fans and I like to have a fun, a good time with them. I like to see their reactions. I said, who would you prefer to back up Mike Smith going forward? And of course, I had to put Staylock in there versus Koskinen. in. And uh, a lot of people voting for Staylock. Uh, which way do you come out on this one? Is it, can you just say, Hey, it's one bad game?
3: All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. Oilers fans are uh, a unique bunch. Uh, I'll say that. Um man it's it's weird that because well, both core tenders have been so good for the Oilers in April and well into May that Sto hasn't had a look, but I mean he was a guy that i I wanted to see in some game action to see if he could push um but tippett has been loyal to the two old guys on the team, and they've been good up until today and miko Koskinen, and uh, up until uh, sorry uh Thursday night when Miko Koskinen's in the first period but Holy Connor, that's um. It's tough because I I haven't seen Staylock play since the bubble playoffs. I mean, um, <laughs> you're probably not going to see him now. Like, and, and Thursday was the perfect scenario, right? Like, you plan not to play Mike Smith, Connor, right? Yeah. So what's the difference if he's on the bench or if he's up in his suit uh, enjoying a beer and some chicken wings up in the in the <laughs> booth with the other guys, like? And then if if maybe you go to Staylock, like it just doesn't make sense to me, Bob. I. Oh, Man, it's it's hard for me because I I Miko uh, Klaskinen makes me nervous, uh, but I think I have to go with him because he's playing right. Like Staluk's just practicing. I don't know how sharp he would be. He hasn't played in in uh, since August, Connor. So it's it's been a very long time, and he had the heart issue and all that. And obviously he's doing good, and he's on the team, and he's with the guys, and he he's doing all that. But I. I mean, if I would have seen Staal play in a few games, I probably would have won Staal. But how can you go with a guy that has just hasn't played at all?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you talked about uh, like kind of trusting your goalie. And six occasions this year so far, where we've seen the goal go in on the first shot. I started twenty three games. Like that's. That's a like over twenty five percent of his games he allows the first shot like and and that I I don't know I think maybe if you're a player in front of him you're uh, gripping the stick just a little bit tighter and uh you know you're yeah. kind of worried about that you're doing everything you can to try not to give away like an open look but I think it's just something that's got to factor in and for Dave Tippett he's been loyal and I, I said it to Tom earlier on like he's he's loyal to his guys Mike Smith is his guy and we've seen him countless times yeah. put Mike Smith back out there but Miko Koskinen is not his guy. Not Kent Holland's no. guy. That's the previous regime who brought him in and gave him that contract extension that you know, <laughs> forces him to be a member of the Edmonton Oilers. But let's move on, Hernana. Zach Cassian is skating today or yesterday uh, before practice. So good to see that he's back on the ice after that lower body injury. When you look at him and, and you know, the potential emotion that he can bring to you in the playoffs do do you think we get a chance to see him in the first round of the playoffs and you know maybe even if things don't go well in the first couple games you throw him in there and just kind of eject some positivity into your lineup
3: yeah and quickly just uh uh mike smith like connor he's going to be the number one right like in order to drop a game in the playoffs the only way i see coskin in getting any games is is, is, if uh there's an injury or if uh you know they're getting their the show around one game and they just pull mike smith to get him ready right for the next game but yeah i'm not too concerned about costing him playing in the playoffs outside of those and as far as that casting it's interesting to tip it set on thursday uh before the game that he's skating on his own and, and uh we don't know the injury connor which is kind of bizarre like it's, it's he's had two injuries this year and we still don't i think it was a time the first one but it took forever to find out um yeah, I mean, sure. I mean, you go back to 2017 and he ran one game against Dallas. He was all over the place. He's that kind of guy that probably steps up his game in the playoffs. But let's be honest, Connor, he hasn't been that guy for a while now. And, um, is he just going to put that switch in the playoffs? I mean, a lot of players do, but, uh, that casting is not close to what he was in that 2017 run. So I, I hope he can, he can be ready for the playoffs because I think he's a guy that you, You start with him in the lineup to see what he brings. Now, if he's not bringing that energy, that emotion, that physicality, then there's enough guys on this team that have pushed and have played well that they can kind of take him out. But, yeah, I'd like to see him start there, but I I don't know if we're going to see that thing Zach has and everybody's expecting because we haven't seen that since 2019 because in 2020 before COVID, he signed the contract and he fell off the map in the bubble playoffs. He was terrible. And this year so far, maybe outside of two, three games, Connor, he really hasn't seen that guy captain. So I don't know if it's just I don't know if it if it happens if he gets in, but um yeah, we'll wait and see. But if he's healthy, Connor, he's a guy I'm starting in my bottom
0: six. Do you th- I mean and, and we we talked about it like after that contract extension it almost seemed like there was a little bit less intensity there and maybe yeah. he was motivated to get the contract extension. I don't know if that's fair or not, but do you think I mean because I, I a lot of times I, I know myself I'm like you know your job's not that hard you go out there you got to bring 100% effort all the time and, and throw yeah. your weight around play on the edge do you think it's tougher to do that though like we, we, we expect these guys to go out there meal able to do that but do you think you know especially now an emotional player like Cassian no, no fans in the crowd do you think it's tougher? Yeah I
3: mean it's it, but that's Cassian's game I mean that's what that's what made him an NHLer right like he's never been I, I know he's he played with the CDs when he started. He played with Connor, uh, got the contract, so he has the skill. But he's a bottom six. So let's not kid ourselves here. He's he is what he is. But yeah, I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's easier or harder to bring that game because that's what that guy We've known him up until last year. That's what he was for. You get under the other team's skin, be physical, drop the gloves if you had to, and also bring an element of skill and size and all that. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish I can pinpoint why Zach Calhoun's gone away from that. Um, it probably takes up a lot of energy too. You got you got to bring that fight and and you got to muck it up every game. So yeah, it, it's probably tiring on on certain players. But again, Connor, this guy's been done that for a while outside of a couple games this year. So uh, I, I I don't want to say that it, it's he's not doing it because it's really hard. But I I just think because that's how he became who he is is because of the way he played and he was a hard guy to play against and the Oilers need him to be that guy because he's here for another three years (laughs) I mean if he's here and he thinks he's going to be a skilled guy and he doesn't have to do all that rough stuff then uh, he's in for a surprise and he'll find himself out of line more often than not
0: Yeah you mentioned the other three years at a 3.2 cap hit as well so he's not exactly a cheap uh, player Uh, I've got some buddies who have texted me about uh, that contract Maybe a little regret there, but hey, you, you just got to be optimistic and hope he finds it again. Uh, a guy that can turn it on. We got to talk a little bit about Connor McDavid, Hernanda. Even in a game against the Canucks on Thursday, where you know things aren't going too well, he still finds a way to contribute on the point uh, sheet, playing with uh, Leon Dryasaddle and Jesse Puljari. Both guys scoring goals. I mean, it it almost seems like at this point it's inevitable. He's going to get to 100 points. I knock on wood because I don't want to be the guy that drinks it. But man, yeah. the guy yeah. is playing such good hockey this year
3: oh man it's unreal unreal what he's doing and like you said it's it's like sometimes the owners aren't at their best uh and and then they come up and he can just pop to uh assist or or goals and if he finds himself on the score sheet he, he's truly amazing and what do you know he's 24 years old like this guy's gonna be getting better connor like good lord uh, i mean imagine him in two three years from now what he's gonna be doing and Imagine if this season with an 82 game season, like he would have, man, he would have been close to 140, 150. Like it's truly, truly amazing what he's doing. Kudos to him. Uh, he only gets better. And he they you know what I like about him too, Connor. Lately, uh, he's getting a little uh, feisty. He's getting greasy, and and I love that. Like he's he's had enough. He's pushing back. He's throwing some hits. He, he's got some stick work sometimes, and I, and I love that because uh, the NHL doesn't protect their stars, so they got to do it themselves. And then I have no issues with that. But Connor McDavid, man, like, we're so blessed. And if you're old like me, Connor, um, I caught the tail end of Gretzky. I was still a kid, but uh, I saw Gretzky. I was old enough to see the 90 uh, cup here with the greats of Mark Messi and Yari Curry. And, and then just to be blessed again with a guy like Connor McDavid and hell, throw Leon Draisaitl in there. It's truly amazing. We are blessed. Uh, here in Edmonton, we've been through. The decade of darkness, many, 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 many rough years for the Edmonton Oilers. But uh, every so often, we get blessed with, <laughs> with the greatness of uh, of Gretzky and now Connor McDavid. So it's just a damn pleasure to watch him. And, and um, hey, and, and shout out to a lot of like uh, Austin Matthews on Thursday scored his 40th in under 50 games, which is unreal as well. And, and, and there's always that comparison and all of that. Connor McDavid is the best player in the league for me. It's not close, but Austin Matthews is, is second there because.
0: You score 40 goals like he did is truly amazing oh yeah austin matthews he's a pleasure to watch maybe you don't like the guy i know there's been th- some well, off the like ice the team, right? or you it's don't like, like the team I, I, don't, I
3: don't think it's matthews i think it's just because it's it's the Toronto maple he's like it, if matthews connor was in arizona <laughs> i mean everybody would be loving him right
0: well, i i know there is the off the ice incident so that's why i say that i know there's a lot of people that don't forget and remember that but at the same time you're right I mean uh you know our parent company TSN loves the Maple Leafs and uh I mean (laughs) so does Sportsnet so does any hockeyist place we know the center of the hockey universe is Toronto and Austin Matthews is the face of the team and yeah he's an absolute stud I I, I'm not here for the Austin Matthews bashing as a player like the guy's phenomenal 40 goals in 39 games uh plus the injury that he dealt with like this guy could have 50 this year if it wasn't for the injuries. So, uh, he's a beauty. I want to talk about Leon Draisaitl as well, though. You mentioned him and I mean, he kind of has to play second fiddle here with the Oilers, but 75 points this year. Uh, if you were to prorate that into an 82 game season, he'd have what, like 112 points. I think someone had it at like the guy's playing great hockey as well and still, still tends to get overlooked. And, you know, you look at these ratings for the top 10 centers, usually he's down around five where I I don't know. It's not like that's a bad thing, but I think he could be higher.
3: Yeah, there's... Listen, and all these things, Connor, as much as the media and the guys that vote want to say there's no bias, there is. There is. And (laughs) uh, you're going to pick guys that you watch on the more regular basis. I I think Connor McDavid being on the Edmonton Oilers hurts Leon Drysdale and vice versa because you heard the ridiculous arguments last year that uh, Drysdale shouldn't win because he's on Connor McDavid's team. Well, Then you can't pick Rantanen or McKinnon any day. You can't pick uh, Braden Point. He has Kucherov. I know he hasn't had him this year, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. I think that's a ridiculous statement. But, yeah, I have him up there. I mean, just watch him. And and I I think for for a lot of people that don't get it, they watch him maybe once a week. Like, you don't get to see him. Like, he's fantastic. Like, the way he shields the puck, his shot. Like, you saw the goal on Thursday was outstanding. And like McDavid, he's got some grease in his game now. He's pushing back. He's getting physical. And I mean, when they drafted this guy, Connor, I knew he'd be good. I never thought he'd be this good and this dominant. So for me, you know what? All those rankings and stuff, I take them with a grain of salt because whether we want to believe it or not, there's a lot of bias that goes into it, and um it's just the way it is. It's always going to be that way. But uh, for us, I get to watch him game in and game out. For me. I'm not saying he's the best center out there, but he's he's definitely top five and probably closer to closer without to three two than five. That's that's my opinion. Maybe I'm biased, Connor, but Leon Draisaitl is a fantastic hockey player. What he's done,
0: yeah, we we might have a little bias as well. And it's funny to talk about like when he, when they drafted him, and I remember watching him with Prince Albert Raiders. You and I have both uh, both got the opportunity to work with the Oil Kings and watch a lot of the young players come through town, and it was. A really bad team with PA, but he and yeah. Josh Morrissey, you could just tell, like, hey, these guys have something. And if you surrounded them with talent, you know they're going to be players. Morrissey, obviously, doing great things with the Jets. And uh, when Leon it was traded to Kelowna, obviously goes to the Mem Cup. And I think he won MVP of the WHL final. Like, the guy's a skilled player, and it, it all kind of worked out. One last question for you, Hernan. I just want to ask you about the whole... Uh, resting superstars and you know if you got to a situation where McDavid had got to 100 points and Zasilevsky gets to whatever 80 whatever his goal might be and the final game of the year against the Vancouver Canucks is meaningless would you consider not playing those two
3: 100% i just don't see what one more game's going to really do for these guys i mean one guy's going to hit 100 uh, what well, the other guy's second in the league uh, I mean, one game's not gonna not gonna hurt him. And I, I, even if if I know they want to get that 100 as quick as possible for Connor, but like even if he set up to you, like why not? Like, like, you don't want you don't go into any game thinking about injuries or anything like that. But why risk it? Uh, like, has got nothing to play for. Let the guys that haven't played a lot this season get in a game before the playoffs, and and why not have a fresh Connor David and Leon Drys title Connor. So I would definitely do that. No. the players might look at it differently and, and it's hard to see if Connor and Leon are like, hey coach, we we want to play. We want to keep this going. How, how do you say no, right? So it's, it's a tricky balance there for Dave Tippett to uh, you know, go on the uh, feeling of his players or just say, hey, this is what's best for our team. You two are sitting out the last game of the season. Let's get fresh for the playoffs. So I'm on board with it. I I hope Connor can get to 100 here quick, <laughs> Connor, uh, so we can uh, so they can uh, sit out and, and and just get ready for the playoff push. So I'm totally on board if if they can rest them.
0: That's my favorite situation. I just like to pretend like. Coach Tippett sitting down, McDavid and Jariah Seidel and saying, uh, hey, guys, you're not going to play on Saturday against the Canucks. And then <laughs> yeah. just like, uh, actually, Coach, we are. We'll be here a lot longer than you are. We're going to play. Like, I just would love to see that power struggle <laughs> with the superstars back down. Hernan, thanks a lot for doing this today. Really appreciate it.
3: Yeah, man. Always, uh, Always fun joining you on the podcast, brother.
0: Excellent stuff as always from Hernan Salas. You can give him a follow on Twitter at Hernan Man. He of course, the co-host of the Don Wheaton on White post-game show alongside Tom Gazzola. He's also locked on Oilers podcast and two guys and a goalie. Lots of places to check them out. Like I said, give him a follow on Twitter, at Man on Twitter. And that's going to wrap it up for another edition of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I appreciate you tuning in, and big thank you to our guest, Tom Gazola from TSN 1260, as well as Joaquin Gage, former member of the Oilers. He's on Twitter as well, at Joaquin Gage 31. Also two guys and a goalie podcast. And sticking with the theme here, Hernan Salas, who's a part of the post game coverage with Gazola, and also a part of two guys and a goalie with walking Gage appreciate it as always For the Edmonton Oilers, they're back in action on Saturday night taking on the Vancouver Canucks. It's an 8 o'clock puck drop. So if you're looking for some pregame coverage, as I always tell you, tune in to TSN 1260. Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself will have you covered. That gets going at 6.30. Then the Edmonton Oilers are in action on Monday and Wednesday taking on the Montreal Canadiens. And to me, those games were very important. Those are the games where you're really going to see where you are at, especially coming off a big series against the Vancouver Canucks. With all due respect to the Canucks, they are in a playoff team and they're going through a lot of things on and off the ice. The Montreal Canadiens will be raring to go in that one for sure. Looking forward to those games on Monday and Wednesday. Once again, though, thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode of the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Once again, thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. If you're signing up, make sure to use promo code THPN. That stands for the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Connor Halley. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. We'll talk to you next time here on the Other Connor Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts from.